0: This video is part of an audiobook series featuring Principles, Life, and Work, written by Ray Dalio in 2017. For more audiobooks, please visit my YouTube channel, find me on Spotify, or check out my website for downloads. Chapter 6. Recognize how to get beyond disagreements. It is the rare dispute that is resolved to both parties' equal satisfaction. Imagine you are having an argument with your neighbor about a tree of theirs that has fallen onto your property. Who is responsible for the removal? Who owns the firewood? Who pays for the damage? While you might not be able to resolve the disagreement yourselves, the legal system has procedures and guidelines that allow it to determine what's true and what to do about it. And once it renders a judgment, it's done, even if one of you didn't get what you wanted. That's just the way life is. At Bridgewater, our principles and policies work in essentially the same way, providing a path for settling disputes that's not unlike what you'd find in the courts, though it's less formal. Having such a system is essential to an idea meritocracy, because you can't just encourage people to think independently and fight for what they believe is true. You also have to provide them with a way to get past their disagreements and move forward. Managing this well is especially important at Bridgewater, because we have so much more thoughtful disagreement than other places. While in most cases people disagreeing can work things out on their own, it is still often the case that people can't agree on what's true and what to do about it. In those cases, we follow our procedures for believability weighting or weighted voting and go with the verdict. Or, in the cases where the responsible party wants to do it his or her way contrary to the vote and has the power to do so, we accept that and move on. In the end, people who join our idea meritocracy agree to abide by our policies and procedures and the decisions that come out of them just as if they had taken a dispute to court and had to abide by its procedures and the resulting verdict. This requires them to separate themselves from their own opinion and avoid getting angry when a decision doesn't go their way. If people don't follow the agreed-upon paths, they don't have the right to complain about either the people they disagree with or the idea-meritocratic system itself. In those rare cases where our principles, policies, and procedures fail to make clear how a disagreement should be resolved, it is everyone's responsibility to raise that fact so the process can be clarified and improved. 6.1. Remember, principles can't be ignored by mutual agreement. Principles are like laws. You can't break one simply because you and someone else agree to break it. Remember that it's everyone's obligation to speak up, own it, or get out. If you don't think the principles provide the right way to resolve a problem or a disagreement, you need to fight to change the principles, not just what you want to do. A. The same standards of behavior apply to everyone. Whenever there is a dispute, both parties are required to have equal levels of integrity, to be open-minded and assertive, and to be equally considerate. The judges must hold the parties to the same standards and provide feedback consistent with those standards. I have often seen cases in which the feedback wasn't appropriately balanced for various reasons, to hold the stronger performer to a higher standard, to spread the blame. This is a mistake. The person in the wrong needs to receive the strongest message. Not operating this way could lead them to believe that the problem wasn't caused by them or was caused by both parties equally. Of course, the message should be conveyed calmly and clearly rather than emotionally to maximize its effectiveness. 6.2. Make sure people don't confuse the right to complain, give advice, and openly debate with the right to make decisions. Everyone does not report to everyone. Responsibilities and authorities are assigned to individuals based on assessments of their ability to handle them. People are given the authority that they need to achieve outcomes and are held accountable for their ability to produce. At the same time, they are going to need to be stress-tested from both directions, i.e., by those they report to and by those who report to them. The challenging and probing that we encourage is not meant to second-guess their every decision, but to improve the quality of their work over time. The ultimate goal of independent thinking and open debate is to provide the decision-maker with alternative perspectives. It doesn't mean that decision-making authority is transitioned to those who are probing them. a. When challenging a decision and or a decision-maker, consider the broader context. It's important to view individual decisions in the broadest possible context. For example, if the responsible party being challenged has a vision, and the decision being disputed involves a small detail of that overall vision, the decision needs to be debated and evaluated within the context of that larger vision. 6.3. Don't leave important conflicts unresolved. While it's easier to avoid confrontations in the short run, the consequences of doing so can be massively destructive in the long term. It's critical that conflicts usually actually get resolved, not through superficial compromise, but through seeking the important, accurate conclusions. In most cases, this process should be made transparent to relevant others, and sometimes the entire organization, both to ensure quality decision-making and to perpetuate the culture of openly working through disputes. A. Don't let the little things divide you when your agreement on the big things should bind you. Almost every group that agrees on the big things ends up fighting about less important things and becoming enemies, even though they should be bound by the big things. This phenomenon is called the narcissism of small differences. Take the Protestants and the Catholics. Though both are followers of Christ, some of them have been fighting for hundreds of years, even though many of them are unable to articulate the differences that divide them and most of those who can articulate the differences realize that they are insignificant relative to the big, important things that should bind them together. I once saw a close family have an irrevocable blowout at a Thanksgiving dinner over who should cut the turkey. Don't let this narcissism of small differences happen to you. Understand that nobody and nothing is perfect, and that you are lucky to have by and large excellent relationships. See the big picture. A, sorry, B. Don't get stuck in disagreement. Escalate or vote. By practicing open-mindedness and assertiveness, you should be able to resolve most disagreements. If not, and if your dispute is one-on-one, you should escalate to the mutually agreed-upon believable other. All things being equal, that should be someone higher in the reporting chain, such as your boss. When a group can't reach an agreement, the person responsible for the meeting should take a believability-weighted vote. 6.4. Once a decision is made, everyone should get behind it even though individuals may still disagree. A decision-making group in which those who don't get what they want continue to fight rather than work for what the group has decided is destined to fail. You can see this happening all the time in companies, organizations, and even political systems and nations. I'm not saying that people should pretend to like the decision, let they like the decision if they don't, or that the matter in question can't be revisited at a future date. What I am saying is that in order to be effective, all groups that work together have to operate with protocols that allow time for disagreements to be explored, but in which dissenting minority parties recognize that group cohesion supersedes their individual desires once they have been overruled. The group is more important than the individual. Don't behave in a way that undermines the chosen path. A. See things from the higher level. You are expected to go to the higher level and look down on yourself and others as part of a system. In other words, you must get out of your own head, consider your views as just some among many, and look down on the full array of points of view to assess them in an idea-meritocratic way, rather than just in your own possessive way. Seeing things from the higher level isn't just seeing things from people's other people's point of view, it's also being able to see every situation, yourself, and others in the situation as though you were looking down on them as an objective observer. If you can do this well, you will see the situation as another one of those, see it through everyone's eyes, and have good mental maps or principles for deciding how to handle it. Almost all people initially find it difficult to get beyond seeing things through just their own eyes, so i developed policies and tools such as the coach, which connects situations to principles, that help people do this. With practice, many people can learn to develop this perspective, though others never do. You need to know which type of person you and the people around you are. If you can't do this well on your own, seek the help of others. Recognize that many people cannot see things from the higher level and distinguish those who can from those who can't and either get rid of those who can't or have good guardrails in place to protect yourself and the organization against this inability. By the way, it is of course okay to continue to disagree on some things as long as you don't keep fighting, thereby undermining the idea meritocracy. If you continue to fight the idea meritocracy, you must go. B. Never allow the idea meritocracy to slip into anarchy. In an idea meritocracy, there is bound to be more disagreement than in a typical organization. But when it's taken to an extreme, arguing and nitpicking can undermine the idea's meritocracy's effectiveness. At Bridgewater, I have encountered some people, especially junior people, who mistakenly think they are entitled to argue about whatever they want and with whomever they please. I have even seen people band together to threaten the idea meritocracy, claiming that their right to do so comes from the principles. They must understand my principles and the boundaries within the organization. They must abide by the rules of the system, which provide paths for resolving disagreements, and they mustn't threaten the system. C. Don't allow lynch mobs or mob rule. Part of the purpose of having a believability-weighted system is to remove emotion from decision-making. Crowds get emotional and seek to grab control. That must be prevented. While all individuals have the right to have their own opinions, they do not have the right to render verdicts. 6.5. Remember that if the idea meritocracy comes into conflict with the well-being of the organization, it will inevitably suffer. That's just a matter of practicality. As you know, I believe that what's good must work well and that having the organization work well is of paramount importance. A, declare martial law only in rare or extreme circumstances when the principles need to be suspended. While all these principles exist for the well-being of the community, there may come times when adhering to them could threaten the community's well-being. For example, we encountered a time when there were leaks to the media of some things that we made radically transparent within Bridgewater. People at Bridgewater understood that our transparency about our weaknesses and mistakes was being used to present distorted and harmful pictures of Bridgewater, so we had to lessen our level of transparency until we resolved the problem. Rather than just lessening this degree of transparency, I explained the situation and declared martial law, meaning that this was a temporary suspension of the full degree of radical transparency. That way, everyone would know both that it was an exceptional case and that we were entering a time when the typical way of operating would be suspended. B. Be wary of people who argue for the suspension of the idea meritocracy for the good of the organization. When such arguments win out, the idea meritocracy will be weakened. Don't let that happen. If people respect the rules of the idea meritocracy, there will be no conflict. I know that from my experiences over decades. However, I also know that there will be people who put what they want above the idea meritocracy and threaten it. Consider those people to be enemies to the system and get rid of them. 6.6. Recognize that if the people who have the power don't want to operate by principles, the principled way of operating will fail. Ultimately, power will rule. This is true of any system. For example, it has repeatedly been shown that systems of government have only worked when those with the power value the principles behind the system more than they value their own personal objectives. When people have both enough power to undermine a system and a desire to get what they want that is greater than their desire to maintain the system, the system will fail. For that reason, the power supporting the principles must be given only to people who value the principled way of operating more than their individual interests or the interests of their faction. And people must be dealt with in a a reasonable and considerate way so that the overwhelming majority will want and fight for that principle-based system.